We've been studying what it means to be crucified with Christ. And it starts out with repentance, of course, and not just uh, coming and being baptized, but a godly sorrow for recognizing um, where we are and who we, who we belong to. And that is so important because without a godly sorrow, the Bible says that that is what really works repentance. Amen. Now you can see it. Okay. And our theme scripture for this whole series has been taken from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? That's not something that, you know, on the face of it sounds so good, to be crucified with Christ. Paul, Paul goes on to say, nevertheless I live because when Christ was crucified, the flesh died. That's the whole point of being crucified you know, as I've been saying, sometimes our flesh is not quite dead, so it reacts, you know. But a, a dead person does not react. You can call them names. You can do all kinds of things. They're not going to react. And that's what we're called to is to, to get to that point where, as Paul says, I die daily. My flesh dies. He says, but I live, yet not I. That means although we are walking around, uh, it's, it's, it's through the power of God. We cannot in ourselves be perfect. We will fail. We will not be able to, to produce the kind of fruit that we ought to because our flesh will betray us. He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, I heard a, a really great message, and I know I've quoted it several times about the how... Paul, you know, we, we think of Paul and we know he persecuted the church, right? We all know that, right? But uh, this message, the past, the, the preacher put all of the scriptures together in one place where Paul gave his confession of what he did. And when you, when you look at them in that way, you go, wow, you mean God called him? God made him uh, something? Because he said he, he, made, he compelled people to blaspheme. He, in other words, he tortured people. He didn't, it, you know, we think of Paul as just being this, you know, great apostle. But before he came to Christ, he did some terrible things. He said he would haul out women and children and families and put them in prison. He was on his way to Damascus to arrest people, to do, to do them harm. And that shows you the mercy and love of God. That's why Paul said he was what? The chiefest of sinners. And so... The only way you can look at a life like that and see such a tremendous change is because the old man is dead. The old Paul was dead, and that was signified by a name change. And I'm going to be preaching about that in our second, uh, second uh, service. And I usually don't talk about my message too much, but I'll let you know what the title is now. What's your name? What's your name? Amen. I'm not going to preach it. So we talked about repentance and the steps to salvation and we talked about seeking to grow. And then last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And once we are starting to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, the next thing is that we provide a light to others, walking in light. That's what we're going to be looking at today. You know, it's not just about coming to church. But if, if God has called us, it's for us to understand the danger to others. You know, um, I remember one, uh, one year, I forget when it was, several years ago I was on... 94 coming back from Detroit towards uh, uh, going south to Benton Harbor, and there was a whiteout, and it got so bad, you couldn't see the edges of the freeway, and there was a huge, I think, 60-car pileup, 
Uh, but uh, God, I used to have to drive that route so often, and God preserved, preserved my life. But, you know, the thing that came to me is once you, you do that, once you see the danger, what do you try and do? If you see there's danger ahead, you try and warn others, right? So people would be getting out and saying, slow down, stop. You can't, don't, you have to slow down. You would get out and try and warn others because you have seen the danger. And that's what God has called us to, uh, to warn others. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, but because you believe, others might believe. Personal witness, you know. If I saw someone going like this in the freeway, I would think, okay, they're trying to warn me about something, Right? That I, I would, okay, I wouldn't just keep going at full speed. I would, I would at least slow down. I, I would try. So God has called us to do something with the light that we have been given. The Bible says, let, so let your light shine. Amen. That doesn't mean you go around beating people on the head. It's just that you live a life that attracts other people. You know, that you, 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 you exhibit a Christian attitude, a Christian walk. And next week we're going to actually finish up with the theme of the cross. Amen. Uh, of course, this, this thing about light starts right from the get-go in Genesis, doesn't it? And God said, let there, the first creative act of God was to say, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, the, in the Hebrew... The word for light in, in English would be said just like the word for ore, you know, like iron ore. So O-R-E, if you want to pronounce the word in Hebrew for light, it's O-R-E. And I want you to remember that. And the first thing God did, creative act, was to separate the light from the darkness. Light and darkness just can't mix. There's either light or there is not light. But you can't have light and darkness in the same place at the same time. There's got to be a separation. When we come to truth, just the fact that we know truth is going to make us a little bit different. Because our spirit man will be talking to us. Well, you can't agree with that. Or you can't do that. Or you can't participate in that. See, there will be a separating from the light from the darkness. And, the, and God saw the light that it was good. And God divided or in other words, separated the light from the darkness. And the first thing that God calls good was the light. You know, as I've grown older, my eyesight hasn't gotten any better, and I like a lot of light. I hate when you go in houses and it's all dark. I want to flip on all the lights. I like, I like a lot of light. I'll go in the room and uh, my wife won't have all the light. I said, why is it so dark in here? I'll, I'll fling open the curtains. I'll turn on. I like a lot of light. Uh, she has better eyesight than me, um, but I like a lot of light. Because the light is good. The light exposes. The light shows you things. Amen. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. As I've said so many times, when God says, gives a command, the only answer is? Are you sure about that? When God says, let there be, the only answer is? Amen. When God says, let there be in your life, the only answer is, and it was so. Amen. In fact, in the scripture, it says that in him is yea, and in him is amen. God wants to tell us yes to our request. Did you know that? In him is yea, and in him is amen, meaning let it be so. God wants to bring light into our dark corners of our life to give us 
hope to encourage us. They've said that during winter, there's more depression. You know, in a few weeks, or I don't know when, they're going to put the clock uh, back, right? November the 6th. In two weeks' time, they're going to set the clock back, and it's going to get even darker earlier. You know, by 4 or 5 o'clock, it'll be dark. And they say there's a lot more depression in wintertime. People get a lot more depressed because there is more darkness, because light is what really encourages. And they, they, they treat those people by telling them they have special lights that they're to sit in front or to, to be in front that changes their mood. In fact, light even is necessary for health because it, 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 it is, it is, we are designed to live with light because it actually the sun get, uh, takes the rays and changes it into, I believe, vitamin, what is it, D or C? D. And without sunlight, you're, you, you become deficient. Isn't that something? You need the sun's light. Spiritually. Or else you become deficient. We, are, we were designed, even our flesh was designed for the light from the sun. And without it, people get uh, rickets and other diseases that are vitamin D deficiency. In fact... It's what builds your immune system. During the COVID stuff, they were saying that you have to take extra vitamin D because people were not getting enough light. Because it's that light, the sun's light, both in the physical and in the spiritual, that does what? Builds up your spiritual immune system so that you can stand and be able to get through some things. And and for our bones as well, our framework. And the reason why the light was good, I put it there, is because God created it. God cannot create anything that is not good. That's his nature. He never created the world as we see it today. That, were, that came about by human and satanic choices. And one other thing I want to point out to you is that creation requires separation. Let me say it again. Creation requires separation. Now, I'm going to use as my example the book of Genesis. In order to create something, God had to always be separating. If you look at every, almost every creative act in Genesis, it involved a separation. Let's look at that. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let there be an expanse, in other words. And what is, what is the next thing he does? He divides... He separates the waters from below, from the waters above. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I've said before in in Bible studies that when God creates, he creates everything with a covering. Everything he's created was created with a covering. And most of the, the, the living things had a covering that was his spirit. Because that's the only way we can be in relationship to him. But amazingly, even in the physical, this is true. Every single planet in our solar system, had a covering. Some of them still do. The planet Venus, you cannot see the surface because it has a covering. And scientists have discovered and have theorized that Mars had an atmosphere or a covering, but because it did not have the, 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 the gravity or the magnetic field that Earth has, the covering over years dissipated, and so that it became a dead red planet. But every other body that was big enough in the solar system has a covering. You can't see the surface of Jupiter. You can't see the surface of Uranus because it has a covering. And Earth was the same way. 
according to scripture, it says that God made a covering. And this covering had, had many great properties. In other words, when you looked up at the sky before in Adam's day, you couldn't see directly all the stars. There was a mist. The Bible tells us that there was water vapor that watered the earth. It never rained. But this covering had all kinds of benefits because what it did was, I'm sorry for the science lesson this morning, but God is so awesome. He is so awesome. You know what this did? This water vapor that was in the atmosphere, it increased the pressure. So right now there's about 14 pounds per square inch all over your body. But before this, the, the flood, all of this water that was up here in, increased the pressure on earth. We don't know how much, but here's what we do know. It increased the amount of oxygen that was in the atmosphere every time you breathed. So when you were alive on Adam's day, you probably only had to breathe maybe twice a minute. And today scientists have found out that when they put people in pressurized, what they call a hyperbaric chamber, they recover so much better. They do whole surgeries under pressure because they found out that the oxygen gets into the body and has a healing uh, effect. So this, this pressure, this water vapor, this covering was part of the reason why, why man lived so long. Because they have found out that the number of breaths that mammals take is about the same. Like a mouse will go through two million breaths in about a year, and then he dies. An elephant will take maybe uh, 60 um, years to live, and it goes through the same two million, but it only does it, what, once every 20 seconds. And so the, the slower your respiratory cycle, tripping over my words, the longer you live. When I, I, when I was young, I volunteered in a hospital, and I remember... They put me on a geriatric ward, which I wasn't too happy about. <laughs> I remember this, this man that came in, this older man, and he was in a very serious condition, and they put him in a room by himself, and I, I was going in and checking on him. And I went in, and I thought he was dead because I was staring at him for a long time, and I didn't see him breathe. And I was just about to call someone where he went, but what was happening was his respiratory cycle had slowed down so much. And eventually they, they put him on a machine. But he was only breathing like once every 20, 30 seconds. To me, it seemed like an age. It seemed like an age. But back before the flood, God had created this covering to, in fact, let us live longer. It, it, it protected us from all the radiation. And that was what the Bible speaks about when the flood came. He broke up the fountains of the deep. Amen. And that water vapor collapsed. And that's why worldwide, wherever they've dug up, they have found evidence of a flood. I went way off topic there. But I just wanted to show you that every time God creates, there is a separation. Remember, he first created the light and he separated it from the darkness. In verse 6, he says, let there be a firmament. That means an atmosphere in the midst of the waters. And let it divide, separate the waters from the waters. He created a covering for the earth. And maybe one Tuesday night I'll go into much more detail about that. In fact, in the creation story, there are in fact three separations. Let's look at them. Amen. The light from the darkness, the water below from the water above, and the land from the water. He separated the land from the water. In other words, you could almost look at the earth when it was created 
coming out of a baptism. Think about it. It came up out of the water. When we are, there is a creation, there is always also a separation. God is going to separate you from something in order to create something new in you. He had to separate Paul from his old life before he could really use him. He has to separate us from some of the things that are hindering our spiritual growth before he can create something in us. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul explains, he says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Scripture, Jesus likens light to knowledge. He says about some people, he says, The God of this world hath what? Blinded their eyes so that they cannot see. We see because of light. If it was pitch black in here, you could not see. It is light that allows us to gain sense knowledge. It says so that to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Some people, you can talk to them about God. And it's like a myth and a fairy tale. It's just on the same level as Thor or any of these marvels. It's not real to them. It doesn't penetrate any. Why? Because the God of this world hath blinded their eyes that they, they cannot see a reality. They've been told there is no God. It's just foolishness. What we're doing here today is a waste of time. That's because the reality of God has not penetrated them. They cannot see. And so light, God's light, brings knowledge and understanding. Isn't that amazing that that's the first thing that God used to call Saul? What happened? There was a blinding light. And he couldn't see. And he says, who art thou? Who art thou, Lord? When God calls us, it may not be a physically blinding light, but there will be a, 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 a growth of knowledge, a spiritual knowledge, a spiritual night, light that will come into our eyes, enabling us to walk. David got that in the Psalms. He said, thy word is a lamp, a lamp unto my feet, and a light. Amen. See, Sister Brownie. Amen. Amen. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called, above all, the Spirit of truth. Truth. And when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will do what? Into all truth. You know, I think, and I'm guilty of this, and most of us are, we don't listen enough. Because, you know, in certain decision situations, if we would be quiet, I believe God is trying to speak to us. And to guide us. Because he promised that that's what the Holy Spirit was for. It's called the spirit of truth. Now the reason why he was doing this separation. Is to make a distinction. A difference. A difference between what is called holy. And what is called profane. And profane just means common. Something that you don't value. You know. Uh, most of us if we're walking on the sidewalk. Maybe you wouldn't pick up a penny. Because it's so common and. It's almost not worth the trouble, right? And you'd have to wash your hands or something, right? Because it's profane. 
But if you saw a $100 bill, even if it was dirty, you probably would pick it up. <laughs> right? You'd probably pick it up and maybe clean it off. Why? Because you're separating it from the dirty and the profane. Because it's valuable. So anything God separates is because he sees it as valuable. Even if it was in a dirty, horrible place. When God separates us, it's because he sees value in us. Isn't that awesome? In Ezekiel, he says, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane. The things that are common. They're so common, it's not even worth your trouble, right? You know, of course, sometimes that penny can make a difference. <laughs> you know, you, suddenly in your car and you need, you need about five cents to put in a meter or something. And you're looking in all the cracks and crevices, uh, which you didn't care about before. Amen. So God wants us to be able to understand and be able to separate the, the things that are common with the things that are holy. And that's what he was showing in a way in his creation. As I said, for creation to happen, there has to be a separation. The separation of the holy from the, the, the profane. And as I said, the third one was the land from out of the water. Second Peter 3.5 says this, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. When he created the earth, it was almost like coming out of a baptism symbolically it came up out of the water as a new land whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water again he did it again with the flood the new the the, the water came and cleansed the land and the land had to appear again out of the water signifying a new beginning do you see do you see the symbol of what the water does water is cleansing amen so baptism then is supposed to separate our old nature from our new nature. But it, we have to make the choice. God is never going to make you a robot. That was my prayer all the time. Lord, just make me a robot. Just stop me doing wrong. I don't want my choice, actually. If there was a, you know, they have that ad called the easy button. I think it's Staples. I said, Lord, if you just gave me an easy button, that's what I want. Just let me press this button. You take control and never let me do wrong. Wouldn't that be great if, they, if, if life was so easy? You could just press a button and, and, and God would just let you be a robot. But the truth is that's not valuable to him. Because that puts you on the same level as a rock. What he values, what makes you holy is your love for him which has to come from a free choice. And God values the fact that although you are not perfect, you have not given up. You're here this morning. You're seeking his word. You're seeking his presence. You are, in fact, separating yourself by coming here today from what millions of other people don't, which is to stay in bed, turn on the TV, watch the football, or whatever they do. You see, you have made a choice because you believe, because you believe God is valuable to you. Amen. So we see that separation always comes before the creation of life. Look at this. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and fruit tree yielding after his kind, whose seed in, is, is in itself and upon the earth, and it was so. So now the plants come up out of the ground. You can plant something and turn it upside down. It will find a way to find where it's up. 
it will find a way. You turn it and it will find a way. It will start reorienting. And when it comes up, then it starts to go towards the light. You turn it around a plant and it will bend the other way. Where? Towards the light. Even nature shows us God's plan of separation. Amen. And we are called then to walk in light and walk in separation. So, and that comes when we have knowledge, right? Be, we become separated from ignorance. Proverbs 3, 6. It says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And then he shall direct your paths. And that word in the Hebrew, acknowledge is the word, it's the word yada. It means to know. In all your ways, know him. The more you have knowledge of God, the more you have the, 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 the ability to make better choices. See, that's why the greatest sin and the sin of blasphemy really is the sin against knowledge. Because it's not as if you're ignorant, but you, have, you know the truth, but you choose to do this. There's nothing more God can do because you are choosing against knowledge. Amen. Jesus on the cross said about the soldiers, Father, forgive them because they have no knowledge. They don't know what they're doing. That's why we can get forgiveness so much is because God winks at our ignorance. But when we have come to knowledge, when we absolutely know the truth and then make a conscious choice to say, I know the truth, but I want to do my own thing, then we are sinning against knowledge. When God calls us, he calls us to be separated from ignorance. Amen. Separated from the common. John 17, 16. And this is amazing. I've been meditating upon this. And I, I'm going to teach on this. When Jesus was praying in John 17, the prayer that's recorded, one of the things he says is this about his disciples. He says, they are not of the world. And we read it. But have you thought about, that's an amazing statement. They were born. They were not divine like him. But yet he is saying, He's putting them on the same level as himself. Look at this. They are not of this world. What has he just done? What has he just said? He has separated them. He is saying they're in the world, but they're not of this world. He's, he's, he's put them on another level, even as I am not of this world. Something has happened in the three and a half years that has made them now no longer the same as when he first met them. They are not up. What can it be? Well, obviously, it's knowledge. It's his teaching. It's the word. The word, if you get it in here, will make you not of this world. That, isn't that amazing? And if you're not of this world, that means you belong somewhere else. And he's coming to get all those who are like him. The word will make you not of this world because they were born just like us. But here he makes this amazing statement. He says, they are not of this world. I'd be so happy if Jesus said that about me. Because if I'm not of this world, I belong to him. Amen. So separated from the, the profane, Jesus, when he called people, he called them out and from whatever they were doing. Even if what they were doing was not a sin. They were fishermen. But he called them from that. He called them from that. He will call you from your profane, your common, your ordinary, to try and show you that you are special, you are unique. He has a purpose for your life. You are not a penny. You know, you're more like a thousand, a C-note or whatever they call it. I don't know. Amen. You are special. You are worth cleaning up. 
As I said, most of us, if we saw a penny, we might not pick it up. But if we saw a $100 bill, I would. I don't know about you. I would be picking it up. I'm not that proud that I wouldn't be picking it up. <laughs> oh, I don't need that. Yes, I do. I can use that. Amen. I would pick it up. Even if it was in mess, I would clean it off. I would use it. God is looking at you the same way. He wants to use you, and he will clean you up. Amen. So the walking in light is all about walking in separation because that's what light does. It separates. Separated from our old nature. Ephesians 4.22 says this, that he put off concerning the former conversation, it means lifestyle, of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You know, we think we're happy doing what we want to do, but it's temporary. It's just transient. And that's, that's the thing with addiction and drugs is it gives you a high, but it's temporary. And then you have to get another high. And that high is not powerful enough. And it just drags you into where you never wanted to be. And before you know it, you're trapped because those things are temporary. In fact, the Bible says it's the invisible things that are eternal, like love, faith, hope. The things you can see are temporal. They're going to be past. So God calls us to be separated uh, by knowledge, separated from the common and, and, and profane, and then separated from our own nature. Now, we can't do that by ourselves. My own nature is mean. <laughs> you just don't know me. I'm the kind... Shall I confess? <laughs> If I had something against you, you'd never see where it was coming from. <laughs> that old nature is horrible. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's despicable. I'm not proud of it at all. But that's what God has called us from. Separated from our old nature. The Bible says deceitful lust. It, it, it feels pleasing for the moment. But in the end, it will leave you hollow and empty. That's what this world will do. It will chew you up and spit you out. You'll be hollow and empty. You see, as I told you, God created everything with a covering. And you know the covering he gave us originally? Remember what I said the word for light is? Anyone remember? Or in Hebrew, or. Do you know that the word for skin in Hebrew is also or? Because what it's symbolizing is that we were covered originally with God's glory. And that's where we're going to again. Amen. John 1.4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Think about that. Meditate. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In Matthew, he finally showed what he was like. In his glory, he took them up on a mountain and revealed his true son of God nature and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. I told you, I believe that when God first created us, we were powered not by blood. Right now it's the blood. You know, you, you lose more than a, um, a few pints and you start to get lightheaded and a few more pints and you'll pass out. Uh, you cannot live without blood. Every single animal has some type of blood, the thing that carries the breath, the breath, the oxygen, the breath. Um, but I don't believe, and this is just me now, 
not scripture, not thus saith God, I'll, I'll explain myself, that when God created us, we were not powered by blood. We were powered by the Spirit. Amen. And I, I, I've shown that in this little diagram, right? That, that uh, it was when he breathed, what he breathed was his Spirit covering. And that's why Adam and Eve didn't realize they were naked because they were shining just like Jesus did. They, they were created, we were created h- higher than any angel. Did you know that? Because no angel did he ever say that he created them in his image and in his likeness. We were created truly, truly to be sons of God. We have come such a far way. But you know what? God has a plan to separate us from the darkness and to take us back into light. Amen. Amen. So when, when he breathed on them and man became a living soul, he separated what was dust and a formed body into a living soul. And that meant that it was covered by his glory. Amen. But when they sinned, what happened was that that, that light died and instead he had to, the Bible said he had to make coats of what? Skin. And the symbolism is that the word for skin in Hebrew and the word for light is the same. But now they could see that they were naked. Now they could see themselves without God's covering. You see, I tell you what, when I look at myself, I get discouraged. <laughs> and as you get older, you get discouraged. I, I don't know, I was searching on the internet last night for, um, you know, for some pictures for the study and all of that. And I came across this uh, YouTube video where it was showing, uh, this is very carnal, it showed these movie stars. And it showed them when they were young, and then it showed them when they were old. And boy, it was depressing. <laughs> you know, how, how beautiful and, and, and on the top of the world these people were in their 20s. And, and I was go, wow. <laughs> Almost scary picture uh, uh, afterwards. Because this shell is going to fade. This is just a shell. This is just a container. Your soul is what God is seeking and is important. God has called us to walk in his light. So I believe they were covered with light. And that's why they could not see that actually they were naked. They had a clothing that was the glory of God. In fact, we see a model of that when Moses came down from the mountain. He didn't even realize that just being in the presence of God, he started to glow. And in fact, he had to put a covering, a curtain over him because it was probably pretty scary to be talking to Moses when he was glowing like that. You know, that would be pretty off-putting if you saw someone was, was shining and glowing, you know. And it wasn't sweat. He was just glowing. You see, God has called us to walk in light. He has called us to, to, to not be profane, to be different. Now, I want to show you what happens after there is a separation. Because what did I say? After a separation, there is what? A blessing. Amen. This happened with Abraham, right? God had called him separated him from Ur of the Chaldees, correct? He said, come out of Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to leave that place because I want you to be separated. Genesis 13, 10. But you know what he did? He took everybody with him. He took his whole family with him. And of course, they slowed him down. But finally, it came down to just him and Lot. And Lot and his uh, servants couldn't get on. And finally, they had to separate. And it wasn't until he was by himself 
the, the blessing actually really started. Genesis 13.10 And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Because Lot chose by sight. He just said, okay, we're going to separate, but let me, let me have this place. This place looks great. You can have the mountains with all the rocks. But here's the thing. If you have God, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if where you are. See, Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah because it looked good. It was well, what it was green. He thought, man, I, I'm going to have the best part of the land. This old man, my uncle here, he doesn't need that. He's going to be de dead very soon. I need the best place. And so he chose by his sight. And it was only when he was separated from Abraham that God actually then started to deal with Abraham. Verse 11. And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they what? Separated themselves. Now, the, the moment Abraham is separated from Lot, then God speaks to him. Notice this. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him. You know, sometimes we've got to separate ourselves from some people, some things, some locations, because God wants to give us the blessing, but we've made the wrong choice. Verse 14 is so key. And the Lord said unto Abraham, God hadn't spoken to him for a while. Because he had not actually done what God asked him to. After that Lot was separated for him. And it's not that Lot was necessarily a bad man. But sometimes God wants to speak to you by yourself. In the New Testament, Lot is called a righteous Lot. So it wasn't necessarily Lot was a bad person. He was certainly a little bit more carnal than, than Abraham. But sometimes God wants you by yourself. Because he wants to give you something special. Right? He wants to give you something special. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, I want you to look, I want you to lift up your eyes. Now, if Abraham had looked where Lot had left him, it was all the mountains and all the rocks. It was, it was not looking the best place. But God wanted him to look, told him to look with his eyes. Now, Abraham was not blind. He was already looking with his eyes. So what that tells me, he was meaning something else, spiritual. He said, Look from the place where thou art northward. I want you to look northward. And I want you to look southward. I want you to look eastward. And I want you to look westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it. What God was telling him, listen, it doesn't matter about Lot and him choosing that place. If you have me, wherever I am, that's going to be a blessing. That's where it's going to be a blessing. You see, walking in light is all about separation. Amen. Separation. In fact, as I said at the start of this, for a miracle, you have to be separated. You have to be called out. Let's look at this in Deuteronomy 4.24. It says, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. In Isaiah 42.8, it says, I am the Lord that is my name and my glory Will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images? What he's saying, if there's things in your life that are before God, don't expect necessarily your prayer for the miracle is going to be answered because your focus is not God. It may be your job, it may be your children, it may be a relationship, but it's not God. And God is saying, listen, unless I'm number one, 
Isn't that what he says? I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. If I'm not number one in your life, don't expect that I'm going to jump every time you say jump. You know, they say we use God as a fire escape. It's only when we're on fire that we call. That's the only time we pray when we're in big trouble. We use God conveniently. And we expect him to show up. But he's not the fire brigade. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He wants us to have relationship just because of who he is and what he means to us. And that only comes when we can truly say we know him. We know him. I had a prayer about two weeks ago about some some issues. and, And I am just so grateful that God did this miracle. Now the situation isn't fixed. He did his part. Someone else has to do their part. But he gave an opportunity. I prayed for something for someone. And God opened the door. The the, the situation looked really impossible and difficult. And I I told this person I was going to pray. And I told them, you pray. And we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And God opened the door for this miracle. So now it's up upon us to do the next step. You see, when you have a personal relationship, no one can tell you it's not real. You know, they have no medical device that can tell you you have a toothache. But guess what? You know <laughs> when you have a toothache. There's no machine can say, okay, uh, it's this much pain. In fact, when you go to the hospital, they'll give you a chart, and they say on a scale of 1 to 10, they have to ask you, how much pain are you feeling? Why? Because science cannot tell that. But you know if you're feeling it. When you know God is real, you know no one can tell you he's not real because you are experiencing it for yourself. Amen. Amen. So we see that it is separation that enables the blessing and the miracles. In fact, in the New Testament, the church in Greek is called the Ecclesia. And the definition, the original definition of church was the separated ones. They were different. They weren't doing the same things as everybody else. Ecclesia means the called out ones. Special. Chosen. Amen. Not in a a, a proud way. I'm I'm not special because of me. If you're special, it's because of him. Because he has chosen you. It's not for us to look down on people and say, I'm a a, a Christian, I'm a, a, a good person. No, I'm not a good person. I told you I'm a terrible person if you got to know me. Amen. I'm a terrible person, but God is merciful. It's just like he found the dollar bill or the hundred dollar bill that was in some mess. And instead of throwing it away because it's in some mess, he picked it up and he cleaned it and put it to use. Amen. In fact, in the Old Testament, God gave them this uh, strange uh, group of people or a vow that, that, that they could take that the Jews could take, called the vow of the Nazarite. And when you took this vow, what it meant was you were going to separate yourself for a certain amount of time from certain things. It could be you, you pledged for 30 days or 7 days or however long you, you wanted to do this to abstain from like drink or to abstain from certain things or to abstain from cutting your hair. And when you did that, you were designated a Nazarite. And it's a strange kind of a thing that was held under the law and was called the vow of the Nazarite. And it really means the separated ones. In Numbers 6.1 it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 
speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when either man or woman shall do what? Separate themselves. To vow a vow of the Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. The purpose of the separation was to dedicate themselves to the Lord. You know, I've challenged you uh, over the years to separate ourselves from some things, right? Can you go a week without being negative? That's hard, you know. That's, can, you go, can you go a week without saying something negative? That's hard. Can we separate ourselves? Separate ourselves. That's hard. That's really hard to separate ourselves from, say, negativity. Someone cuts you off in traffic. The first thing you want to do is, is you know, give them a fist or something. You know, the, the flesh wants to react. The flesh wants to be negative and, 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 and maybe give them a piece of your mind. <laughs> but in the Old Testament, to symbolize this separation, God said, I'm going to set up this thing where you can separate yourself for purposes of getting closer to me. And this is a whole thing. And this went on all in the way into the New Testament. In Amos 2.11 it says, And I raised up of your sons for prophets and your young men for Nazarites. So this was something God had specified that they should do from time to time. If you felt a call, you would, you would take a vow of a Nazarite and you would separate yourself. And in doing so, there was a blessing that would come. Here's a, here's a little test. There was someone that God chose to be a Nazarite from their very birth. Anyone know who? Samson. Samson, God told his mother, listen, I've chosen him for a special purpose. I am going to give him supernatural strength. But he has to be separated to me. And so because of that, he is not to have any alcohol He's not to cut his hair. He's to be separated to me. You want supernatural strength? You want God to be able to use you? You've got to be separated to him. See, that was the secret of his strength. He was a Nazarite from his birth. He could not drink certain things. He could not participate in certain things. And of course, he could not cut his hair. And that was the secret. When she, Delilah cut his hair, it broke the vow. And he became as other men. See, God has called us to walk in light. And light separates from darkness. Light is the key to the miraculous. In Hebrews, it's talking about Jesus and his death and what his crucifixion meant. And it says this, but this man, speaking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Now, verse 14 is one of my favorite biblical verses. It says, for by one offering, one offering, he hath perfected if you, can, if you can think about this, if you can meditate, well, he has perfected forever. How long is forever? Think about it. This is what Jesus' death, one offering, he is saying is for us. You may not look at me as perfect, and of a truth I'm not, but he is calling those things that are not as though they be. He's not looking at me or you as the way we are now. He's looking at the end result. 
If you will stay on the journey, if you will stay separated, he declares you perfect. Isn't that something? He's not looking at me and all my messed up past and all the stuff that I've done wrong. When I come to him, he shines a light. Do you know when you shine a very bright light, you can't actually see anything but the light. I could be all raggedy and all messed up, but if I had a big floodlight in front of me, you couldn't tell what I looked like. All you could see would be the light. And that's why the scripture says, looking unto Jesus. Because if I look unto myself, I'll get discouraged. I'll hear those voices say, no, you can't get up there and speak to them. How can you do that? You know way back there you did X, Y, and Z, right? The devil speaks to me that way too and tries to discourage me. But So if I look at myself, I can't do it. But if I get blinded by his light, all I can see is Jesus. And he covers. Let's say together, covers. He covers our past. He covers our sin. So he says here in, in, in Hebrews 10, for by one offering, that means his death. This whole study has been about crucified with Christ. He hath perfected forever, but there is a part for us, them that are sanctified. Now, it sounds a very old-fashioned word, but all that means is what? Separated. All we have to do is take one step of separation from some things towards Jesus, and he declares us perfected. And that's hard for me to, to believe. I have to overcome my flesh. You know, when someone says free, and it sounds too good, they say it's what? Too good to be true. Jesus is as good as it sounds. In fact, it's the best deal ever. You're not going to get a better deal than what Jesus has done for us. It sounds too good to be true that our messed up life, our our sins, as I told you, when you look at Paul's life, it really didn't hit me what kind of person he was until you put all the scriptures together where he said all the things he used to do, that he, he compelled people to blaspheme. He tortured people. He threw them in prison. He separated families. And then he goes on to say, I was the chiefest of sinners. And yet God has in his mercy, because the light shined down. Remember, he's on his way to Damascus. And what was the first thing it says? A light shined down. When God's light shines on you, and he didn't know who it was, he says, who is this? And he says, it is I, Jesus. That knowledge transformed him. That knowledge transformed him and his life was different. His name got changed. It says, for by one offering, and I meditated, he hath perfected forever them that are separated, them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is the witness to us. That means when he fills us with his spirit, that's his part of the bargain. That's his signing on the, on the dotted line that he's given us the deposit. We haven't got the house yet. But the closing has been done. It's just a matter of time till we inherit. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts. The law in the Old Testament was written on what? Some stones. Some stones. But the stones, although they could last a long time, they could break. And in fact, when Moses got angry, they broke. The law could be broken. But when it's inside your heart, it's different. When you have a love for God, even though you may mess up, even though you may fail, you will get back up. When, when if, I, if I have a, a, an offense with my wife and I, and I think about it because I love her, I'm going to tell her I'm sorry. If I love you and I offend you, even if I was, you know, we had some words, I'm going to come back later and I'm going to say, listen, that was wrong. I'm sorry. 
You see, God is so merciful that when we come to him, because he's looking at the end result, not at where we are right now, he calls those things that are not. And I know I say that every week. But we need to get that down in our spirit. We need to believe that. That he's not looking at you the way you look at you. He's looking at you as the way you could be. The way you will be if you stay separated. Amen. Hallelujah. You see, the thing about light is it cleanses. Do you know that when they want to disinfect stuff in the hospital, they put it under ultraviolet light. Why? Because it kills all the bugs. We need to be under the UV rays of Jesus. We need to be under the word, the rays of the, of the sun. Hallelujah. Because that will cleanse our spirit. The very fact you've come here today, you know what Jesus said? The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are what? They are life. The fact that you're even listening to me and it's not my words, but it's his words, they're doing a work even though you don't realize it. They're doing something to your spirit. They're doing something to your soul unconsciously. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. This is what John the Apostle said in John chapter uh, 1 verse 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. We talked about that last week as one of the fruit of the spirit that we should have joy. This then is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say, if we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say we have a relationship with God and walk in darkness, we're lying. And we don't even know what truth is, right? We don't know what truth is. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship. We can see him. He relates to us. If you're walking in darkness, no wonder you know, your prayers are not really going anywhere because you have to walk in the light. That means the light of his word. We have fellowship one another. And guess what? Then the blood of Jesus Christ does what? The light through his blood will wash away all our sins. Even though in my flesh I'm not perfect, I make mistakes. Because I'm still walking in the light, he is his blood is washing over me. You know, it's like when we, when we have a baby, and I've used this example before, you don't get angry at the baby because he's pooping up his diaper. In fact, you expect the baby to poop. In fact, if the baby don't poop in his diaper, you start to say something's wrong. <laughs> right? There's, the baby's sick. There's, because we don't come to him as an adult. We come to him as a baby. So he, he knows that he's going to have to change us. He knows that we're going to need some cleaning up sometime. He knows that we're going to need to be fed. Now, if we get to 21 and we're crawling around in a diaper, then something is wrong. <laughs> something something has, has not happened that should happen. We have not grown. But when we come to him as a baby, that's what you expect. You don't get mad at a baby because they poop, do you? No, you may not want to clean it up. But you're not mad because that shows the baby is growing. The baby is eating. But we shouldn't always be a baby, should we? You, a 21-year-old coming here crawling down in a diaper, you'd, we'd call the police or something, right? We would, we, we, that would be wrong. But if a little baby come crawling out here, what we do? We go pick him up and cuddle him and, oh, he needs changing. See, God is looking at us as if we are children. He said, except you become converted... And become as a little child, 
you can't enter. Because a little child needs help. I need his help. I need his light. Amen. Verse 8 says this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. I'm laughing because years and years ago, there was a guy coming here and told me he was perfect. He just lied. <laughs> he, he just lied because he came and said he was perfect. I said, okay. <laughs> if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, in the Old Testament, and this is not a Bible study, but since we're here, I want to just explain something, and I know I've taught this before. There were four types of offering you could give, right? There was a sin offering, there was a burnt offering, there was a fellowship offering, a, sorry, there was five, a grain offering. And there were certain sins that you could get forgiveness for if they were not premeditated. That means if they were accidental, you know. There was a trespass offering. The sin offering was against God. If you, if you did something and you broke the law and it was against God, and if it was not deliberate, if, if it was not premeditated, that means you did it in ignorance, you could get forgiveness. Now, if you did it premeditated, that means, you know, you, as I said, you went and bought the gun, you tracked them down, you sat at the corner, and you shot them. <laughs> that's, that's planning, that's premeditation. But if you just got in a fight and you hit somebody and they fell and died, that was a different matter. That wasn't, you didn't, you just got angry, you didn't plan to, to, to kill them. You could still get forgiveness. And you could get forgiveness by giving what was called a trespass offering. But that was against your fellow man. Now, a lot of the things we do against our fellow men are premeditated, right? Let's be honest. We, we plan to get them back. It wasn't an accident. But you could still get forgiveness for a sin against your fellow man if you confessed. The first part, you had to own up to it, and you had to do restitution, and you had to be sorry. You had to, to bring a, a, a trespass offering. Now, a sin against God that was premeditated, there was no forgiveness. You were executed. But the beauty of it is Jesus became man. God became man. So now our sins is a trespass offering against the man Christ Jesus. And the scripture says, Jesus himself said, anything that's said against me will be forgiven. You understand how God's mercy, when we trespass, when we trespass, in fact, he told his disciples in the prayer in Matthew 6, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. So when I trespass against you, I can, if I repent, I can get forgiveness. When I trespass against the king of kings, because he became a man, I can get forgiveness. Amen. So that's about walking in the light. If we confess, verse 9, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some. Uh, 90%. All. If we could get this in our brains that when we come before God and we have confessed, we're like a brand new baby. I said to you last week, who hates babies? Little two-day-old babies. Who, who can look at a baby and say, I hate you? You can't do that. You're not a normal human being if you can just look at a baby and just hate them for being a baby. And when we come and confess, we're just like a brand new baby. 
And that's why the scripture says in Hebrews we can come to a throne of grace boldly. There to obtain mercy. We don't have to shy away. We can come running to the mercy seat. If we say we have not sinned, verse 10, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Every time I read this, I remember this man who told me he was perfect. Well, he, he was not perfect in, of himself. None of us can be. We cannot, we cannot make ourselves be good because of this flesh. It always gets the better of us. But God calls us perfect. He declares perfection as long as we are on the journey, as long as we are trying, as long as our intent. Amen. As I said then, light disinfects. You go to a hospital and when they want to disinfect stuff, they put it under a UV light because it kills the germs. God's light will disinfect our spirit and our soul. I hope that when you leave this Bible study, you'll feel different than when you came in here today. Not because of me, but because of his words. The words that I speak, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. Because the word will have an effect. Amen. Amen. Now, when Jesus comes, though, the light is going to destroy some things. The things that are not to remain. In Second Thessalonians 2, 3, he says, Let no man deceive you by any means, but that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed. He's talking about the Antichrist that the Bible predicts will come to a ruling position in this world. Verse 4 speaks about him, says, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This person is going to claim supernatural powers and declare himself to be God. And Paul is saying that the day is not going to come until this event happens. Remember, Enoch, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Verse 8, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. If it were possible, Satan would reveal himself right now. But God is holding him back. Why is God holding him back? So that the truth, the light, can reach more people. He is stopping Satan's plan of taking control until everyone who is able to hear truth gets an opportunity. That's what he told his disciples, that this gospel of the kingdom should be preached unto all nations, and then shall the end come. We don't know when that is, but that's why it's, it's incumbent on us to be his light and his witness. So he says, verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Evilness is already working in the world. You can see that we're really on the brink almost of nuclear war. You know, it, it looked like it could, was going to go away, but right now we are in many instances on the brink of nuclear war. If Mr. Putin decides to get mad and decides to use something, we could be in a nuclear war. The world is on the edge of collapse. The Bible says that men's hearts are failing them for fear. And yet, this is not the worst. The Bible says there's coming a time on the earth such as never was. But it's only the Spirit of God is holding it back so that his light can reach more people. But eventually, once this person uh, gets control for a little bit, the Bible then says, verse 8, and then shall that wicked one be revealed. How is he going to be revealed? You know, if you go in somewhere and there's a cockroach, 
You turn on the light, what do they do? <laughs> they go scattering. See, the light reveals. And then shall that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his... Just Jesus' light. Light will destroy evil. Amen. That's why he's called the light of the world. And I'm almost finished. As I said, to just recap, we talked about the fact that light is truth because that's what it shows us. You can't really walk in darkness. You need some light to see. Amen. John 3.21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. If you have nothing to hide, then you don't hide, right? But if you have stuff you don't want anyone to see, you turn off the light. <laughs> it's done in darkness. Amen. The Bible tells us that the light is also connected as spirit. John 4.24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. There's a lot of denominations out there, right? Hundreds. Some of them have some truth, but they don't have the spirit. Some of them have some spirit, but they don't have the truth, right? They, they worship according to what has been revealed to them. But the truth is that we have to worship in spirit and in truth. The Bible tells us when he, the spirit of truth, is come, when you truly have received the spirit and you're listening and you're, and you're submissive, God will lead you to truth. God will open your eyes to what he wants for your life. He will direct your path. Amen. The Bible says that in John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That means he's telling you that, as I said, when we were created originally, when Adam was created, he was created as a son of God. He had the glory of God covering him. He, he, he glowed just like Jesus did. I really believe that. John 4.24, God is a spirit in them that worship him, must worship him in spirit and truth. 1 John 1.5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is what? Light. And in him is no darkness at all. I, I taught a Bible study about how God created. And do you understand that white light is a combination of all the other colors, right? So when we look at a picture... What we're seeing is the subtraction of other, light, other colors so as to leave what is left. God had to subtract from himself in order to create. He had to subtract from, because if you just have white, you have no picture. So he had to subtract from himself. He had to give up some sovereignty, some dominion in order to create us. He came into this world and he says, I am the light of the world. If you could stand with me, we're almost finishing. Seven times in the New Testament, Jesus declares some things about himself. He says, I am. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the light. No one comes to the Father but by me. He, the Bible says that he is the true light that lighteth the way, men's way. Without him, we're in a false light or worse still, we're in darkness. John 1, nine. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
There's probably a lot more to that scripture than even meets the eye. When you think about how a baby is born, it's quite miraculous. It's quite my, I've been at the birth of my four kids, and every time, it's, to me, it's like a, <laughs> a miracle. How is that possible? Amen. How, I, I thank God I'm not a woman, but bless, bless be all you women. Amen. You got a very high pain tolerance, that's all I can say. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. You know why? Because he veiled himself in flesh. It wasn't until near the week before his death that he took three disciples up, and the Bible said he was transfigured. He revealed what a son of God looks like, and they couldn't even look at him. Do you understand that that's what we are going to be like? The Bible says when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You won't be able to look at me. All you'll see is the light of Jesus. He says, I am with you, but I'm going to be in you. Amen. When he's fully in me, then I won't be acting up. I won't be doing my own thing. Amen. I will manifest the qualities that come from him. Him. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, you see, it's a choice. We have to invite him into our life. We have to say, God, I want to know you. If you're real, I want you to direct my path. I want your light to show me what to do because my choices will always mess me up. You ever bought something and the moment you bought it, you start to have regrets? Oh, man, I bought a lemon. I shouldn't have bought that car. or did Because our choices are based on sight, just like Lot. He looked and it looked good. But he went down to the place that was going to be a disaster. We need God's light to point us to truth. Amen. That's why the Bible tells us that he is the only true. The only true. Verse 10 says, he was in the world. The world was made by him and the world knew him not. And there can only be one truth. Amen. I'm not going to finish all the slides today, but I hope when you leave here today, you will have had the word and the light give you an an edification that will make you understand that God loves you, that you're valuable, that you're unique. You know what makes things valuable? Because there's only one of them. You know, these, like if you go to these paintings that uh, they sell for millions of dollars because there's no copies. There's There's only one of you. God made you, you for a purpose. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants his light of the spirit to shine in you and give you direction. Hallelujah. And I believe today that if we will leave here with that word in us and invite that presence and ask God for that relationship, we can go further down this road. We can separate ourselves and begin walking in his light. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you today for your presence, for your anointing, Lord God. Lord, we are... Oh God, nothing, Lord Jesus. But with you, Lord God, we can be great in your sight. Lord, I pray, oh God, that our faith will rise today to trust your word, to believe your word, Lord God, that you will help us to walk in light, that we will fulfill the design that you have for our lives. Lord, we ask for your blessing today. Let our services, oh God, have an anointing to break every yoke, to release the bondage of Satan. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your marvelous light. We ask you to fill this place today with your spiritual light. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Give God a praise offering today.